The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's cool stuff right home. Marcus Paff and Reggie Rizzo coming at you with some of the more interesting stories of the day. On today's episode, why exactly do dogs wag their tails? There's more to it than you think. Plus, scientists have spotted the oldest known black hole yet. And on this day in history, we look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Exciting news from a galaxy far, far away. Astronomers have discovered the earliest known black hole, and it's massive. Located more than 13 billion light years away at the center of a galaxy known as GN-Z11, the matter-eating phenomena is approximately 1.6 million times as massive as our sun. Think about that for a minute. That's almost incomprehensible. Will Sullivan of Smithsonian reports the discovery was made using the James Webb Telescope, which itself was launched back in December of 2021. Per the publication Scientific American, Webb's high-resolution and high-sensitivity instruments allow it to view objects too old, distant, or faint for the well-known Hubble Space Telescope. Robert Maialino is an astrophysicist at the UK's University of Cambridge, and he co-authored the study detailing this particular discovery. He told Newsweek, quote, it's not its age that is surprising. It is the fact that it is already so big, so early in the universe, which is difficult to explain with standard theories, end quote. I think most people are familiar with the idea of black holes, but I'm not sure I've ever totally grasped exactly what they are, Reg. Black holes represent unimaginable amounts of matter crammed into a relatively small space. Due to the extreme density, their gravitational force is potent enough to draw in anything in close proximity, even light. Consequently, direct observation of black holes is impossible. Scientists can only perceive their impact on the surrounding environment. Now, the case of galaxy GN-Z11, scientists previously observed it was unusually bright, which of course prompted some questions and curiosity. To achieve that kind of luminosity, Maialino told NPR, quote, it would have required a large number of stars packed into such a small volume, end quote. But the Webb Telescope's observation revealed the galaxy's intense brightness wasn't due to stars, but instead originated from hot gas swirling around the black hole as it was drawn inward. These findings were published in the journal Nature just last Wednesday. Now, just last November, Primavada Nataran, I'm sure I am butchering your name, and I am very sorry for that in all sincerity, uh, an astrophysicist at Yale announced the discovery of what was, at that time, the earliest known black hole, dating to 470 million years after the Big Bang. The Webb Telescope played a role in that discovery as well, and that black hole was, slash is, also massive, between 10 million and 100 million times the mass of our sun. Prior to these recent discoveries, scientists believe black holes gradually increased in size before reaching the immense sizes observed today. However, if the most recently identified black hole adhered to conventional models, it would have taken approximately a billion years to reach its substantial size. Consequently, for this entity to possess its considerable size in the early universe, it would have needed to start at a much larger scale than 
previously assumed or undergone significantly faster growth than anticipated. Per Science News website Live Science, for early black holes to become so massive that quickly, they likely would have formed from the sudden collapse of giant gas clouds or from many stars and black holes merging together at least according to leading theories. Andrew Ponson, a cosmologist at University College London who was not involved in the research, told The Guardian back in December, quote, understanding where the black holes came from in the first place has always been a puzzle, but now that puzzle seems to be deepening. These results, using the power of JWST to peer back through time, suggest that some black holes instead grew at a tremendous rate in the young universe, far faster than we expected, end quote. Well, Reggie, I don't know what exactly the immediate implications of such a discovery would be, but I, I do know this. I find just about any and everything we discover up there in the vastness of space to be totally fascinating, and the same goes for this here massive black hole. A few first thoughts that I had from this story, uh, when you mentioned that the black holes were bigger than they expected, my first thought was, as you put in that last uh, sentence or paragraph, however you want to put that, that the black holes were merging together. It makes me wonder if there were a lot more black holes at the beginning of the universe and they merged together to get to this size. As soon as you said that, that was my first thought was the, the merging together of black holes, because like you said, to get that big that fast, there has to be something occurring. Well, you're... The more than a few steps ahead of me because I had absolutely zero theories to put forward when this came out. So well done. I like science. Black holes have been fascinating to me for a while there. And the fact that you mentioned that one black hole that was only 470 million years after the Big Bang, I know that sounds like a long time, but if you look at the age of the universe, that is a really old black hole. No that came doubt. quickly after the Big Bang. No doubt. And we're not talking about the TV show here. <laughs> no, no. And anyway, my, my last thought is, yeah, it is a bad joke. It is. <laughs> <laughs> my last thought is a little more, I guess, lighthearted of why can't we come up with good names for galaxies? Why does it have to be GN-Z11? I mean, <laughs> I know I make fun of the fact that we give like dinosaurs weird names, but can we give galaxies better names than GN-Z11? So, I mean, even if you look at like Star Wars and stuff, uh, I believe I can't remember the name of it offhand, but in the new show Ahsoka, they went to a new galaxy. And I think they gave that galaxy a name, not just some random numbers and letters. I mean, come on, let's have a little <laughs> bit of imagination here. Looking for a little more creativity from our scientists out there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, you, you would think, look, our, our home galaxy is the Milky Way. Why can't we have something like that? Heck, go with Snickers for all I care. <laughs> There's three Musketeers and Snickers. That's right. Oh, that's the M&M galaxy. <laughs> There's the Clark Bar galaxy. That's a little less popular. The unknown Reggie Bar. I don't know if you remember that candy bar out there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, peanut m m galaxy <laughs> or there, there's when you're feeling a little bit crazy there's the almond joy but if you were feeling not so crazy and you're not nuts there's the mounds <laughs> is this really funny or are we just i don't know are we losing it there's the york peppermint patty galaxy kids <laughs> I, I think we've stretched this joke out as far as we can go 
All right, time to end this segment. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Most of us dog lovers have come to just assume that a dog's waggy tail indicates happiness and or excitement of some kind. But that hasn't stopped scientists from asking the question, why do our canine companions actually wag their tails so much? Well, four experts came together to write a paper on the matter in the publication Biology Letters. Dr. Taylor Hirsch from the Max Planck Institute for Psycholinguistics in the Netherlands and her co-authors looked at more than 100 studies on why dogs wag their tails to come up with two hypotheses, both of which relate to how dogs have been domesticated and bred over tens of thousands of years, slowly developing more tail-wagging tendencies than other types of canines. The first hypothesis concerns humans' general appreciation for rhythm. The domesticated rhythmic wagging, as they say in the hypothesis, details how humans intentionally selected dogs for breeding who wagged their tails more frequently than others, simply because humans tend to like rhythmic sequences. And I think it's important to consider we're initially talking about early humans in this case. The published paper states, quote, cognitive neuroscience shows that human brains prefer rhythmic stimuli, which trigger pleasurable responses and engage brain networks that are part of the reward system, end quote. So per Sky News, humans either consciously or unconsciously made dogs this way because of how our brains are wired when it comes to appreciating rhythms. The paper states this might explain why dogs wag their tails so often when interacting with humans. The second hypothesis posits that tail wagging in dogs increased over the domestication process simply as a byproduct of selection for other traits such as docility and tameness. In other words, when humans started domesticating canines and breeding them to keep as pets, tail wagging essentially occurred as an adorable side effect. That said, the experts suggest the domestication process would have led to numerous alterations encompassing fur depigmentation, diminished facial skeleton and teeth size, shifts in overall body size, the development of physical traits such as floppy ears and curled tails, and a reduction in brain size. The study concludes that despite the prevalence of dog tail wagging in our pets, there is still a limited scientific understanding of the behavior and further research is deemed necessary to determine more concrete answers. Personally, I think the researchers just like spending time with dogs, but <laughs> that's just me. Now, all that being said, you might be wondering if you could still rely on tail wagging as an indicator of happiness in your pet. The paper suggests that it is most certainly uh, can mean happiness, but likely not always. That said, researchers are quick to point out that it is never an indication of fear or stress, but more likely attached to positive emotions and high arousal, at least in most cases. That said, tail wagging can also serve as a means for dogs to communicate information either to other dogs or to humans. This communication may include signals of a dog's appeasement, submission, or non-aggressive intent. One study the paper references found that dogs may use tail wagging as a requesting signal. For example, if they want you to give them food, they may wag their tail to get your attention. Well, um, whatever it is, I got to say it's adorable and I am a dog lover for life. I have two of my own and the more they wag their tail, the more likely I am to go over to the pantry and break out another treat, even though I know I probably shouldn't be doing that. 
I have noticed that dogs do wag their tails in different ways when they want different things, like if they're happy or hungry or I, I they, they do wag them slightly different. And yeah. as for the the first point of that study, that humans like rhythmic, I guess, the movement or whatever. I think from now on, when I see new people and I want to make them happy, I'm just going to start shaking my button in a slightly rhythmic way <laughs> to let them know. God. Please, God, <laughs> don't let that happen to me. You know what, Reggie? I'll give you a treat. Just don't just don't go down that path. I just want you to know I'm happy and I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm happy to see you rub my yeah. belly or something. Yeah. Please just just <laughs> verbalize it and we'll leave it at that. Ah, oh, you're no fun. Speaking of dogs, scandal in the canine world. Sky News reports a dog who was previously named the oldest ever has lost his title amid an investigation into the animal's past. Reggie and I actually brought you the story of Bobby the dog back in December. He lived in Portugal before fortunately passing away in October. It was said to have been 30 years and 268 days old when he was named the world's oldest by Guinness World Records back in February of 2023. Well, now the folks at Guinness aren't so sure. Bobby was a purebred Rafero de Alentejo, and I am probably butchering that as well. I sincerely, again, apologize. Uh, that is a Portuguese breed of livestock guardian dog with an average life expectancy of 12 to 14 years. And by the way, as a dog lover, I'd just like to point out that this isn't Bobby's fault. I'm pretty sure he never cared how old he was or if he'd receive a trophy of any kind. That no, said, I don't, I, I don't think he cares about the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly right. So skeptics recently raised doubts over whether he was really the oldest canine ever, despite his birth apparently being confirmed by the Portuguese government's pet database and the National Union of Veterinarians. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, the doubters questioned why photos purportedly of Bobby in his youth showed him with white paws when they were brown in his later years. Guinness has said it is withdrawing Bobby's title until an investigation is completed. A spokeswoman told London-based The Times, quote, while our review is ongoing, we have decided to temporarily pause both the record titles for oldest dog living and oldest dog ever, just until all of our findings are in place, end quote. The publication said it appeared his grand old age may have instead been due to slack fact-checking. An investigation by Wired Magazine found Bobby had only been registered on the Portuguese government's pet database in 2022, so just a year before he passed away. At the time, Bobby's owner had declared the canine had been born in 1992, but an official for the database stated that it had, quote, no registration or data that confirm or deny this statement, end quote. Again, that per Wired. So we'll keep you uh, up to date. We'll stay with this story. We've got our best people on it and uh, let you know, of course, whether or not Bobby ultimately gets to retain his title. Again, no longer with us anyway. And as we said, I'm, I'm sure he uh, really doesn't care one way or another. I do have to say, I, I don't know whether he's the oldest dog or not, or if this was made up or if they lied, but sometimes fur does change colors as you get older. It, it, does, it does happen. I've seen it, it with does. my dogs. You're right. Yep. A hundred percent. You're right. Uh, so so that very well could be explained away. By the way, la one last tidbit. If, if the title is revoked from Bobby, the title might go to Spike. He's a living Chihuahua from Ohio who briefly held the crown last January at the age of 23 years before having that taken away by Bobby, of course. Mm -hmm. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Taking a look at this day in history, the first ever induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame happened on January 23rd, 1986. The inaugural class included inductees Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, Jimmy Yancey, Alan Freed, John Hammond, and Sam Phillips. I have to say that's a great lineup. I'd go to that concert any day. It was Ahmed Ettergen, co-founder and president of Atlantic Records that founded the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He started the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation in 1983 and Cleveland was chosen for the location in 1986, but the museum actually didn't open until 1995. They chose Cleveland as the city to house the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because supposedly the first ever rock and roll concert was held there in 1952. They also said that WMMS, a radio station in Cleveland, played a large part in bringing about the rock and roll era by playing David Bowie, Bruce Springsteen, and Roxy Music when they were, you know, just starting out. That first induction that happened in 1986, uh, you know, I know people love to argue why musicians outside of rock and roll are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, that first one, the inaugural class, did have artists spanning from country, folk, jazz, and blues as well. According to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, quote, Factors such as an artist's musical influence on other artists, length and depth of career and body of work, innovation and superiority in style and technique are taken into consideration. As of last year, a total of 331 artists have been inducted into the Hall of Fame since 1986. And if you remember, recently Dolly Parton declined the nomination, saying she hadn't earned the right as she was a country star, not a rocker. However, she's not the only one. The Sex Pistols and Axl Rose refused their nomination as well, even though the rest of Guns N' Roses did accept without Axl Rose. The 2024 inductees should be announced in the next few weeks. Okay, so a couple of things here. I was not aware that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has only existed since 1986. That feels fairly recent to me. I suppose you could look at it and say, well, you had to give rock and roll some time to actually come about, evolve, and be a thing before you could start a Hall of Fame there. But still, I, I guess I just hadn't sat down and thought about it in those terms. You were right to point out, Reggie, that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame encompasses musicians from all genres. I guess the the question I would have is, why don't we just retitle this Hall of Fame at this point? And, and <laughs> the Music it, Hall of the, Fame. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then you have separate wings based on the type of genre that you encompassed. I agree with you, but also think that when you think 1986, I know that doesn't seem that long ago, but we're talking almost 40 years already now. I mean, it's it's young, but it's still not young either. No, no, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, I'm, I trust me, I'm all too aware of how <laughs> long ago the 80s were. But at the same time, rock and roll is a lot older than the 1980s, the mid 1980s, you know, and that's where I think it just feels like one of those institutions that's been around for forever and ever, given just how important music is to pretty much everyone. I feel like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the, the museum should be older than 1995 as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Still a place I have yet to visit, by the way, and one that I, I most certainly would love to take in. I also, just for the record, I don't understand why anybody would turn down 
being in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's an honor, okay? I mean, is there really a need to say, no, 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 I don't respect your institution enough to be included? That's, I, I didn't feel that way when I heard Dolly Parton decline, which, you know, I, I heard her statement about it all, and it, it was very humble. But I don't know, when you just hear it on its face, sometimes it's like, really? Just look, they're honoring you. Go in. Take, I, accept it, Axel Rose. I think a lot of it has to come with if you're arguing with your band members at the time, you're like, well, I don't want to be inducted with them or I should be inducted on my own, not as a band. You know, I think it's sometimes not Dolly Parton, but I feel like a lot of times it's the ego that's getting them. When aren't bandmates arguing with one another? Would it be a band <laughs> if there weren't constant arguing? I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Paff. If you have any thoughts or questions, you want to email us coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow with another Cool Stuff Ride Home.